we turn our attention to Ephesians chapter 2, letter to 22. 11 to 22. We keep it open. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this beautiful morning. We thank you that we could sing praises to your name. We thank you. We want, we want you to be glorified, glorified, glorified in our lives, in our church, in our ministry, in our families. Hiding behind the cross, you minister, you speak. Let your words come forth with power. Let your words come forth with your blessing and send us. Lord, with a transformed mind and transformed lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. The title for today's message is A Unique New Humanity. Unique New Humanity. You can turn your Bibles to Ephesians 2, verses 11 to 22. We will read the first three, uh, 11 to 13, please. Said this from 11 to 22. 
uh, Ephesians 2, 11 to 22. He is writing the, uh, writing the details of Christ's unifying work that he did for them. How did he bring this unity uh, into, this, into this group? You know, and uh, to bring the Gentiles and the Jews together. Now as I was reading this, I read this passage, I had to read it several times. Because I found it very difficult to understand and how to bring that principles into our ministry, into our lives today, especially into my own life. But I'm glad that I was able to at least able to learn something from here and I'm able to uh, share with you. The first thing, how did Christ do? First thing, what Christ did was he brought hope to the people. Christ gives hope. The passage that we read, there are few things that he mentions. He says, you are aliens. Telling the Christians, you are aliens. You are strangers. Not only aliens, you are strangers of the covenant promises. And then he tells you, you are without God. You are without hope. And not only that, he tells them that you are also far off from God. Just think of the church, the, the Ephesian church, the, the people uh, who have come to know Jesus without God, without hope. You can read that from 1, 11 to 13. Uh, 11 to 13. Without hope, without God. They were aliens, they were strangers, and they were living far away from God. And God, in His power through the gospel of Jesus Christ, could get them into the kingdom of God. When I read that, I felt so happy. I realized that this world still has got hope. Your colleagues and my colleagues, your friends and my friends, our family members, you know, the society that we live in, I wanted to assure you there is still hope. People will still come to know Jesus. Don't give up. Don't ever think, can these people know the Lord Jesus Christ? When these five, five groups of people, the aliens, they were strangers, they were without God, they were living in a far away and without hope. When you start talk about without hope, it means there's no reversal. But even there, God got a reversal and these people can come to know Jesus as their personal Savior. What a great God we have. These people, the Jews always thought they were very special people. They thought that they would belong to Abraham, the promises that God gave Abraham. And we are the only one who was close to God. But the Bible tells us God broke that, uh, broke that thought and He has brought all these people into the kingdom of God and giving them hope, giving them the salvation. Giving them the fellowship of God, the promises that God gave Abraham, Genesis, uh, Galatians 3, verses 27 to 29. You really find the promises that God gave Abraham belongs to us too. And it's happening, it has happened by the precious blood of Jesus. Through the precious blood of Jesus, God could bring them from darkness into his marvelous light. And the Bible tells us in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6, I am the Lord. I change not. I am the Lord. I change not. And the same God is alive in our midst today. He is walking. He is watching what is happening in Bangalore. He is watching what is happening in India. He is happening watching what is happening in Karnataka. He is happening what is happening in your family. He is watching what is happening in your neighborhood, in your office. The people who do not know God, there is still hope for them. And look at our society, there's so much of murder, there's hatred, <laughs> adultery, godlessness, corruption, destroying the environment, rape, robbery, drugs, idolatry, 
living as if God does not exist at all or does not matter. Backbiting, divorce, fornication, pornography, LGBT, freedom, etc. etc. On top of all that, there's on the other side financial property, uh, prosperity, there's wealth, there's fame. All these things have occupied people's mind. But in the midst of all this, there is still hope for the world. There is still hope for the world. May you and I never give up. Look to God in prayer. Ask Him for His wisdom. Ask Him for His grace. Lord, make me a blessing in this world. In what way I can be a blessing in this world? And our society needs Jesus. I just want to play a, 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 a slide you can, I want you to read it. The beginnings of Christianity. When Christianity first began, it was a small subset of the Jewish faith. At that time, Rome ruled the world and pagan practices were the norm. Most of the civilized world worshipped Zeus, Apollo, Aphrodite and other gods. Drunkenness and festivals were common in day-to-day -day life. Women and slaves were viewed as secondary citizens and as such, an extreme, at, at such an extreme level that a Greek statement, statesman once remarked, We keep prostitutes for pleasure. We keep young female slaves for the day-to-day -day needs of the body. We keep wives for the beginning of children and for the faithful guardianship of our homes. So long as a man supported his wife and family, there was no shame whatsoever in extramarital affairs. That was the condition, the moral condition. Many Christians found themselves persecuted and tortured for their strange beliefs and due to the fact they welcomed slaves, treated women as equals and demanded husbands treat their wives with respect and fidelity. Church funds were used to buy the emancipation of Christian slaves. When Rome, Roman fathers would leave unwanted children in fields to die, Christians would adopt their children and defy the social structure by caring for them. They lived counterculture and showed love, grace and affection towards those with different beliefs. This perhaps became most evident when multiple plagues struck Rome in 165 AD and later from 251 to 266 AD. At the height of what became known as the Plague of Cyprian, it was estimated some 5,000 people a day were dying in Rome. Many Romans fled the city believing in the anger of the gods. Most nobles, doctors, statesmen and priests fled the city in hordes, leaving the poor to suffer. Instead of fear and self-preservation, Christians quickly invaded the city and cared for the poor, sick and dying at great risk to their own lives. What they understood was simple, God loved humanity. And so to love God back, one was supposed to love and care for others just as Jesus did. During this time period, Christians not only buried their own but also pagans who had died without proper funds for burial. Reports estimate some churches spent 3,000 people daily. Once the plague hit Alexandria, the Christians there risked their lives performing simple deeds of washing the sick, offering food and water, consoling the dying. Rome tried to even emulate this model, but it failed because of Christians it was done out of love, not duty. Romans began to marvel and often whispered in the streets, how, look how they love one another. Not surprisingly, Christianity rapidly expanded.
Just think of it. When they had no support from the government, when they, had, when they were treated like outcasts, the Christians could make an impact during those days. And today, I wanted to encourage all of us. People may have no hope, aliens, strangers to the gospel. For them, telling about Jesus, hearing about Jesus, maybe, maybe a big story for them, you know. It's one of the many stories they heard. But from this, this passage, we can understand God can still work and bring people. And you and I are the people. How relevant are we today in the world that we are living in? What is the impact that we are able to make in the society today? And people need God. And people need God and people want God. And they, they can offer only to you and me. You and me. The Bible tells us in Psalm 67, verses 3 and 4. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations, I just added something to this. May the nations, Pakistan, Afghanistan, Syria, Saudi Arabia, India, etc., 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 be glad and sing for joy. In that place, nations, put all the nations there. And you read it, read like, let's read like, God, I thank you. Our nation can be glad in you. And you and I are the people who can share the gospel. And then he says, may the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you rule the people with equity and guide the nations of the earth. Again, all the nations. Not just the Jewish nation, not just the Christian nation. Every nation, God is concerned. He is the creator. He is a loving father who loves everyone. And he wants them to come to know him as the Lord and Savior. And the Bible tells us in Psalm 67, verse 1. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face shine on us. That was the prayer of the psalmist. May the Lord be gracious to us and bless us. This is the prayer that all of us pray. God bless me. Be gracious to me. At office, in my difficult situations, in the challenges that I face. Lord be gracious to me. Lord bless me. The psalmist was no different. He prayed the same prayer. The only difference is we stop most of the time, most of us stop at the first verse. Lord, be gracious to me and bless me. But the psalmist in the second verse goes a little further and he says, So that, Lord, you bless me, be gracious to me, so that your ways may be known upon the earth and thy salvation among all nations. Among all nations. We have a God who is bringing people from all over India to Bangalore. 29 states and 7 union territories in India. And almost from all the area people are down here. I get lots of messages somewhere, I'm sure you may have got also. There are people, lots of people coming from all the other states and settling down here, settling here, settling there. You know, sometimes people get, uh, the local people, you know, suppose you are a Tamil Nadu, you get, uh, you get agitated. Why other people are coming? Karnataka will think the same. Uh, Kerala will think the same. Every Andhra will think the same. But let me tell you one thing. God is not allowing this to happen just like that. There's a plan. Why? He's bringing the people to your doorstep and my door. When I see a person, he is speaking to a person, I always think, wow, 
There is an opportunity. I can't go to Bihar. I can't go to Jharkhand. I can't go to UP. Freely distribute the New Testament. But now I can give a New Testament and tell about Jesus. Yes or no? You and I can do that. Today back I took my wife to the police station. Of course. Not for domestic violence. <laughs> Not for domestic violence. Sunny, you are careful. For passport verification. So we met the two subjects, assistant subjects were there, and one more head constable was there. We were talking. We became very friendly with both of us. My wife said, I'll give you a lot of pounds for your police station. They were very happy. Margaret and I were people. They were very happy. And they spoke to us well, and we spoke to them. And finally, at the end, I could not bear. I wanted to tell about Jesus. I started, but by the time the inspector had already come, he was getting into his vehicle, so these police people could not chat with me. They became very serious and we left the place. But when I left, I thought, I made a connection with them. I'm happy. At least for Easter, not on Easter, at least take a cake and go give them and also give them that beautiful statement. Tell them, we ask God to minister, we ask God to speak to you. Let me tell you, it's very simple to reach out to people. Very simple to reach out to people. And you and I are the ones who can do it. Aliens, strangers, without hope, without God, people who are far off from God, they are brought inside the kingdom of God. Jesus offers hope for the world. Secondly, Christ makes peace. He offers peace. Ephesians 2 verses 14 to 18. Can we read peace? For he himself is our peace, who has made both one, and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enemy. And he came and preached peace to you, who were afar off, and to those who were here. For, though, for through him we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. You know, in the short passage, three times peace is mentioned. He is of a peace. And then he makes peace between those two people, making them peaceful, live in peace. And thirdly, he came and preached peace. And he's called us the Prince of Peace. Jesus was called us the Prince of Peace. And the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33, he is not an author of confusion, but peace. He's an author of peace. So all peace originates from him. And that is his mind. And then he comes and makes peace not with the people who are very close to him or with his own people who are forgotten and gone. But he has made peace with the aliens. Remember that. Aliens, strangers, without hope, without God and people who are feeling far away from God. The Bible says he has first brought them, Jews and the Gentiles together. He has broken the ordinances that were separating them and bringing them together. And then he is going and preaching peace to them. What a God we have. The Jews always look down on the Gentiles with their children. You know, they never liked them at all. John Scott, he mentions that in, in one of those uh, 
pillars that was uh, taken to Turkey from the Jewish temple when it was broken down contained this phrase trespassers will be not prosecuted, executed that is if the Gentiles cross the court of the Gentiles and enter into the area where the Jews were coming to worship they will not be pushed aside or they will be executed that was the difference they had between them and the Bible tells us God broke that. He broke it and we have to be very careful. When, when the Bible tells us that He had broken the ordinances and the laws, today we find that there is a teaching on hypocrisy. You can live how you want and so many things talking about grace, grace. But the Bible tells us the importance of God has never done, a law or done away with the laws. I'll give you two important scriptures from the book of Romans where Paul mentions against the laws, but he mentions that how long, what the law is. You read Romans chapter 7 verse 12. So then the law is annoying. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy, righteous and good. And in verse 14 he says we know that the law is spiritual. So the law is not unholy, the law is holy, and the law is not unspiritual, the law is spiritual. So we have to be very careful. It is not that God has done away with the laws. Yes, He has done away with the ceremonial laws, all the sacrifices, but Christ was sacrificed, but the moral laws remain. So anybody is arguing with you about the new covenant as well as uh, about uh, hyper grace and saying that there is no law, you can always have these two scriptures in Romans 7. 12 and 14. The law is holy and the law is spiritual. It never says it's not needed. It is needed forever. Now coming back to the scripture that we read in Ephesians chapter 2 42, uh, 18. We find that when Christ can come and make peace with such people what is the implication for you and me? What? How peaceful are we in this world with other people? How many times are we taking effort to make peace with others? If you are not able to make peace, how much of peace can we hold in our own lives? That there will not be any turmoil and problems in the society, in the family. We are a people of peace. We call Jesus as the Prince of Peace and we are His children. And God is giving us a high responsibility to work towards peace in every situation. And God is looking to you and me to carry this message of peace. The Bible tells us in, uh, in Psalm 29 and verse 11, The Lord blesses people with peace. He is giving His people peace so that we will be able to carry this peace to the rest of the people. The people who may be against us, people who have different opinions, or people who are selfish, people who are arrogant, it's very difficult. But then we need to have this grace. We need to have, ask God to give us this grace. Lord, help me to carry this with you, kingdom. You make peace between two people. And you came to preach peace all the time. When he came into uh, the close to Jesus, said, Peace be unto you, when they were frightened. Today, there are very few people, peacemakers in this world. And I want to encourage all of us that we can be peacemakers in this world. Where there is pain, where there is agony, don't add fuel to the fire. Don't carry tales, don't carry uh, uh, information and uh, uh, bring confusion, more confusion. 
they say, Bumi Kodadu, that means earth cannot bear. More and more and more and evil. There's enough evil, there's enough evil, there's enough confusion, there's enough turmoil. People are enough there to, you know, aggravate situations and, you know, cause riots of words and confusion in families. And you and I, as Christians, have to really have this in mind. I am called to be a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers. Not blessed, not peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, not peacemakers. If you and I can hold our peace, hold our tongue for some time, I'll tell you, a lot of confusions will cease in this world. And the Bible tells us in 1 John 5, 19, always used to quote the second part very strongly, that the world is under the control of the evil one. But the first part is very important. We know that we are children of God. We know we are children of peace. We know we are the children of the Prince of Peace. And the second part, and that the whole world, there are two groups, one of the whole world that lies in evil. And there are some other side, you and me, who are children of the Prince of Peace. There are two groups. But let me tell you, peace has always got power because it comes from God. Peace has got power because it comes from God. And you and I can contribute in this world towards world's peace. In the multicultural environment where we live, so much of evil, you and I can make a difference. The words we speak, the words we don't speak when it's not necessary, can contribute towards peace. And never sow discord. One side we have to sow peace and work for towards peace, carry the peace of God to others. And there's confusion with this turmoil. We should be careful. What is our contribution is going to be? Never. There are some people who will come and poison people. So be very careful. Don't be. Should never be people who, even if you know the truth, never tell out the truth. Just keep quiet. Because we know by telling certain truths also can trigger more conflicts. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying tell a lie. Just keep hold. You know the truth. Not necessarily because you know the truth you have to tell it off. Just keep quiet because if you can keep quiet certain situation, you can contribute towards peace. And the Bible tells us once very strongly in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 12 to 16. I'll read verse 1 and then I will read verse 14 and 15. A troublemaker. It starts off Proverbs 6 and verse 12 talks about a troublemaker and a villain. In 14, who plots evil and deceit uh, with deceit in his heart, he always or she always stirs up conflict. They always stir up conflict. That's one. And when you do that, what happens in verse 17? Therefore, why? Because I stir conflicts, therefore I'm a troublemaker, I'm stirring conflict, therefore, therefore, disaster will overtake me in an instant and also will be destroyed without remedy. There's no remedy when God strikes, when I'm going to stir controversies and problems. Stirring up conflicts. As Christians, let's be careful. Ask our God 
You are a prince of peace. You are with me. And help me to contribute towards peace. Jimmy Carter, you know, he said this. That's the mandate for all of us to be talking about peace. I think we worship the Prince of Peace. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said those words, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be considered the children of God. And that's a part of my current life as well as when I was in the White House as president. We always try to reach out to others with whom we are estranged, sometimes in unpopular ways. For example, Roswell, I regularly go to places like Cuba. We meet North Korea three times. We go to countries where the US government considers leaders to be terrorists. We meet with everyone. I won't use the word dangerous to describe the approach of talking to everyone in pursuit of peace. But it can be an unpopular thing. We went to Korea at one point and I do believe that I helped to prevent a war between North and South Korea as part of a Congress center work. We were looked upon as appeasers and criticized by some. The mandate from Christ is to promote peace, harmony, understanding, forgiveness and grace. One of my favorite Bible verses is be kind to one another as God through Christ has been kind to us. That's such a prevalent, all-pervasive instruction throughout the Bible that is inescapable. What a beautiful thing. Christ to make peace with us and, and to make peace with the Indian torture and pain. Jimmy Carter. He was an ex-president. You know all that. Most of you know that. Or all of you know that. And after he stepped out from the press as president of the United States, he was involved in peace missions. And he's a Bible-believing Christian. And he says that it is peace is a mandate that is given to him as a leader. And as a Christian, it is given to all of us. Come to yourself. Say, Lord, I want be you came down and brought peace between these between this people, the Jews and the Gentiles. The people who were aliens, people who were strangers, without hope, without God, they were living afar off. You brought them in peaceful existence into your kingdom. Make me an instrument of peace. And finally, Christ builds us. He offers hope, He offers peace, and finally He builds us to make us a unique new humanity. Ephesians 2 verse 19 to 22. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together, for a habitation of God in the Spirit. Okay. Here there are three things important truths are made. One, he says, first one, he says, we are citizens of heaven. We are the kingdom people. Citizens of heaven. Kingdom of God. We are kingdom of God people. Secondly, he has brought us into the family. We are in a large group. Not only that, we are in a small group also. As a family of God. Members of God's family. And then he tells us we are being built together as a temple of God. Each one of us. Imagine strangers telling them, telling the strangers, aliens, without hope, without God, living far off from God, telling them, friends, today you are different. 
you have become part of God's family, God's kingdom, God's family. And now you have become, God is building you into a beautiful temple. There are other bricks that are coming in, the new believers who are coming in, other parts of the building that's coming in. God is building one on top of the other. He's, he's making a beautiful temple. Why? Why? That's important. Not for glory, not for beauty. That God may dwell there. That's the beauty. Today I'm sure you are telling me in Facebook some people put up a post or photograph. They take, take a photo in a group with little bird, a small bird, a big bird, comes on the Facebook. You know, so many things come on the Facebook. You know, today, the moment we started our service, our worship time, from the time we have started, something wonderful is here among us. God. God is here among us. His eyes are looking at you. He has been watching everyone. How much we were enjoying worshiping God. How much we were connecting our spirit with the spirit. How much we were really thinking of Him when we were here worshiping. And He's making us into a beautiful temple. And Paul was writing this. There was this temple of Artemis in Ephesus. And in Jerusalem, there was Herod's temple. Both were symbolic of the presence of God. But the presence of God was not there, it was minus. And now Paul is saying that presence of God which they're looking out for in the temple of Artemis as well as in Herod's temple, it's not there, it is in you. Who? You were aliens, you were strangers, you are without hope, you are without God, and you are far off. Now this God is dwelling in you and among us. And is making us into a beautiful temple. And a temple consists, you talk from building, you talk there, take this room. If any civil engineer or uh, those who are engineering don't understand, you would believe. You know, there are uh, beams, there are pillars, there are walls, you know, there are so many other materials that goes in and behind this and behind inside this and inside this, you find a lot of iron rods, cement, and you know, so much of uh, stuff has gone in. <coughs> a building has got so much of material. And each one has got a role to play. I want to emphasize this again. In the temple of God, you and I have a role to play. Do you know what is the role God has called you to play in this temple? Do you know that? Have you any time asked God, Lord, what is my role in building your kingdom, in serving you? What is my role? If you have never made that, let me tell you, you are miserable, you will be a miserable person. Because you will never find fulfillment anywhere, anywhere. Nothing will satisfy you except God created, only He can satisfy. And he's got a plan. In Ephesians 2 and verse 10, he said, The good works that he has prepared in advance that you may walk in them. And you and I have to know it. And God doesn't give out the blueprint just like that unless we come to him with humility, come to him with dependency, come to him and ask him, Lord, what is that you have for me? 
to do this work. Not that I want to do something for God. You may be, you know, whatever profession you may be in. Maybe you are retired, maybe you are on the verge of retirement, whatever. Maybe you are just starting a career. You have a role to play. God has drafted you into the temple. <coughs> so that you can make a difference in this world. Ask God. Ask God. And He's a God who will help you and me to be a blessing. Few uh, months ago I went to a retreat center. And there, that evening, I took my small notebook, my pen, I walked around in that garden. I told the Lord, please minister to me, speak to me. I want you to speak to me something. <coughs> and I sat down. There I found there was a gutter that was running. There was 31 wastewater that was running close by. And on both the sides, there was that gutter with nice stones. I was watching that. Suddenly, my eyes went to the building that was nearby, stone building, beautiful stone building. Lovely it was stone building. I saw the stone building. I saw this stone gutter. And I felt in my spirit, God ministering to me, saying that pray. The stones are needed for that beautiful building. But the stones are needed also for this gutter. Just because these stones are there, taking this gutter works doesn't make it anyway unimportant. Without these stones taking this gutter water there, those big buildings will stink. Because the water from there, wastewater is carried through these gutter through these stones. Everyone is important in my kingdom. That was the impression the Spirit of God gave upon my heart. Then I looked at the trees around different sizes, different shapes of leaves, different colors. You look at the tree, go to a thick forest and see the trees, different colors. We say green, but you go and see the, the, the quality of green, different uh, shades of green. Amazing. I was watching all that. And again, the Spirit of God, I felt in my spirit in this field. I felt in my spirit. Yes, they may have different shapes, different shapes, different heights, but all of them are rooted. All of them are open to the ground. And there's life that's flowing in it. And each one has got, and each one is happy with a shape, with a color, with a size. And it remains there. I felt, yes, all of us are important for God. We are all made different. But we all have a role to play. What is your role? Today, make a commitment to God. Lord, I want you to set forth from now. What is the role that you have for me in your kingdom? Why did you see? When you can bring the aliens, strangers, people without hope, people without God, people who are living afar off, trap them into your kingdom, offer them hope, make peace with them, and build them into a beautiful temple. What is the role that you have for me? I'll tell you, God will speak to you. God will make you a blessing. Bible tells us in Romans 12 and verse 6 We have different gifts That's what Romans says We have different gifts You and I have different gifts And God is asking us To come to His kingdom And serve We have 
fasting and prayers in the church. We have community to prayer. We have Thursdays, we have prayer for Bible. Tuesdays, the women meet together for prayer. There's dominant prayers at times. There's missions prayer on Wednesday mornings. I want to tell you, at least twice a month, you should give it a point. Lord, I want to set aside some time to come in the morning. It's, it's uncomfortable, brothers and sisters. It's not very easy to sleep late in the night, to get up in the morning, to keep up the time and come. It's not very easy. It is difficult. But then, there is a contribution you are making towards blessing this world. Recently, my wife and me, we were praying for a person who was demon possessed. You know, it was very fierce. And um, first time when we prayed, we started very late in the night after a meeting. It was very late in the night. It was very fierce. Um, then uh, we came back. The second time when we met, the resistance was very less. You know, not was not was like what it was previously. The resistance was like, but that evil spirit did not leave. And we had we finished the meeting, we came back. I called my friend. He's in Chennai. We were classmates in uh, Madras in college, and he's a good friend of mine. He is used. He is holding he's holding a very good position in the secular field. Uh, but God is using him to cast out demons. I know he's got good experience. So I called him up and asked him. Uh, I asked his name is Ajit. I said, Ajit, uh, this is what happened. We prayed, what to do? So, since I was not very well versed in that, I'm mean, not teaching and preaching, you know, not involved in that. Then he told me, pray. Initially, the resistance will be like that. Slowly, things will change and the resistance will come. And I called up uh, the people who took us for prayer. They said, Pastor, the very next day, when we went to pray, she was there. She was terrible of the demon position. She was totally set free. I began to realize, I learned a lesson, a good lesson through this. I said, this is how the power of it is. We can all contribute in prayer. Hitting, 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 hitting. And the power of evil will begin to come. The society will wake up. And God will know, people will know Jesus as the Lord and Savior. It may not happen immediately, but as we are doing, it will happen. Jesus said, there are two groups of people, one who sow and the other who reaps. There is somebody who sows in John chapter 4, somebody who sows and somebody who reaps. Similarly, we may be sowing, or somebody has sown already, we will reap after some time. Also, we will sow and somebody else will come and reap. But whatever, let's remember that little story I told you. The stones that carry the gutter water is equally important to the stones that was used to build that huge building. You and I are important. We can contribute. He offers hope, peace, and he builds us to be relevant in this world. Let's close our eyes with you. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Savior. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Savior. Every eye is closed. I want you to make a commitment to God and ask for God what you have for me in your kingdom.
in serving you. I am a professional. I have the words of retirement. I have time. I am a housewife. God, I have own business. I travel a lot and not in one place. What do you have for me? What is the good work you are prepared for me that I should walk in them? Make the patience too. Verse 10, your prayer. Ask God, Lord, what is the good work you are prepared for me that I should walk in them? He will you up. He wants you. God wants you. God wants me. God wants us. The world needs Jesus. Your family needs Jesus. The society needs Jesus. Your colleagues need Jesus. Aliens, strangers, without hope, without God, living far away. Christ has brought you now close to him close to God. That's what Paul says. The same thing can happen even today. Your life can be an instrument. When you come in and say, Ask God. I'm going to ask Pastor Sunny to pray with you. Let your eyes close. Make a commitment. Let your spirit connect with the spirit of God. Oh, Allah, anything that is what you're going to do in the afternoon or evening or tomorrow, come and cloud your mind. Just bring your focus upon God. Let your spirit be connected with the spirit of God and say, Lord, speak to me. Hold me. Use me, Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for sounding the power of your word in our lives this morning. Thank you that without you we have no hope. Thank you that you came in this terrible world of crooked and wicked generation. You are lost in darkness and thank you for the light that you shine on us. We will reach out to you but you reached out to us. Thank you for peace. You are the God of peace that will crush the enemy underneath our feet. Thank you that you don't look us at us with denominational lenses. You look at us as children. Thank you that you washed us, O oh God. Thank you for the message of peace. Thank you that peace is an hour for us, that we can be fitted with the gospel of peace to go around in this hurting nation. Strengthen us, O oh Father. Thank you that you called us with a purpose. I pray that we will not lie in the grave with the last thought thinking that we wish we had done something for you. I pray that we will not leave lives of regret. I pray career and money and wealth and lust and rebellion will not rule and, 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 and be a spectrum around us that we will be so blind and short-sighted But what you want us to do. And I pray that this God will our hearts as we walk out of this church today. And that Lord, that you have something, a divine assignment that we should accomplish. And Father, I pray that everything else will be secondary and tertiary. Everything else will go deep in the light of what you want us to do. Convict us. Wash our eyes. Remove blindness from us. Remove hardness in our hearts. Like what the psalmist said, Lord, we, we want to hear what the Spirit says. Today, if we have heard your voice, we don't want
something to, to live for you and to see your glory. Thank you for your strength and thank you for your word. We worship and we bless you in Jesus' name. We want to welcome the newcomers that they don't even come to our church for the first time. Can you please stand? We want to welcome you. Anyone who has come to our church for the first time? You have a visitor? I'm going to ask our sister Hannah to come and sing a song.
will be back. And after the service, we have the common group meeting for a time of fellowship. Let's close. Can we stand together? Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you that we can come and worship you. Say, Lord, be glorified, be glorified, be glorified. We stand up over and over again. And we offer our lives that we may be glorified for each and every one of us. We thank you that you are making a unique new humanity that will not be different from all the owners of not seeking the own but giving out the own to bless the world. I pray that we the ADHD community, we the ADHD family will be people who will serve you with all the gifts, talents and skills that you have given to each one of us. We have different gifts, said Paul in Romans 12, 6. I have. Everyone gathered here have, has got the gift. Help us to serve you, serve others in this world. Help us to be peacemakers. Help us to be peacemakers. Help us to contribute towards peace in this world. And help us to be built up that we will dwell in the world. We pray for everyone who are traveling this way. Some of them are going back to the hometown. Some of them are coming back. We pray that we will bring each and every one of them safely. Lord, take them and bring them back safely. We pray for Pastor Abraham Alifrit. We pray for Sister Joba. Lord, we pray for the family, the dear power. We pray that we will bring them back safely after a wonderful time with them. Dear ones of God in, in the native place. Keep them covered and bring them back in our safely to be with us knowing you. Lord, we pray for all the other headsets, Bobby, all those who need your touch. Maybe physically. Lord, they have some problems. But we pray for your healing virtue to flow through their bodies right now in the name of Jesus. The pain that is troubling them, the reports that are troubling their minds. I come against it, we come against the church in the name of Jesus. We unite our hearts and pray, Lord, that the report will be reversed in the name of Jesus. Every fear will be removed, and all those who are looking out for new jobs, according to your will and plan, open the right door for them and lead them, Lord. Help them to know the great plan that you have for them. Let them see, Lord, your plan for their lives. Lord, we pray for those who, Lord, are the words of giving up. Who are down, who are out, who are in pain and who are angry, we pray for that your grace will touch them and lift them up. When you can, Lord, deal with aliens and strangers and people without hope and without God and people living far away from you, when you can offer the hope and bring them and bless them and build them, you can do the same thing even today. I pray that you will do this, do this great work in our community. Very soon we will hear beautiful testimonies. Let them bless them with children. Bless them exam. Help them to do well. All those who completed the exam during the holiday know how your danger will come. You will protect all of them Lord. Father, we thank you for your merciful hand that will be with us from this morning. Thank you for blessing both the services with your presence. Thank you for ministering to us. Thank you for helping us to worship your praise. Honey, you will guide us with your presence and with your blessing. 
In the marvelous and the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus, we pray. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with each and every one of us and transform us into a unique new humanity. And everyone say together, Amen.